our upcoming guest here has has some experience in watching these things and doing these things. He is the uh, the Carolina Panthers beat reporter for the Charlotte Observer, Mr. Mike K. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Mike, thanks for joining us on The Huge Show. I believe this is your first time joining me on the radio, so uh, it is great to have you, my friend. Uh, thank you for thank you for joining us and giving us some of your time. Yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah, no, I appreciate being here. It's been kind of a busy month for the uh for the Lions, or excuse me, for the Panthers, but also the Lions. Well, yeah, you, you keep stealing our coaches, Mike. What's going on with that, man? Uh, well, it's been it's been kind of a roller coaster ride for the Frank Reich uh, coaching search. I mean, obviously, there were around eight main candidates for the job, and then once Frank Frank Reich got in towards the end of January, he hit the pavement running by bringing in. Guys like Ejiro Evero and Thomas Brown and Jim Codwell and Deuce Staley and Todd Wash and Park Frazier, Josh <laughs> McCown. A lot of, like, Detroit legacy guys, too. So uh, he brought in Sean Jefferson. There, there's, there's a lot to like about this new staff and a lot of experience. So uh, I want to I want to get to one of the, the the player or the coaches that didn't go to Charlotte real fast, and that is Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator. In your estimation, how serious were the Panthers interested in him becoming their next head coach? I think they were very interested. I think had he interviewed well, he was considered the favorite. Um, but I think Frank Reich kind of really hit the nail on the head in a lot of these uh, areas that. David Tepper and Scott Fitterer were looking into. I think they wanted a guy who was more than just a head coach, and I think that would have been a really tough position to put Ben Johnson in as a guy who literally just started calling plays, is in his mid-30s, has not been around the league even a, um, you know. A, <laughs> he's he's, he's green. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To say he's green is fair, um, even though he is a local. So, I mean, they wanted a guy who could really be a CEO, and not in the traditional sense where you think CEO, where it's like, yeah, he's not calling plays, he's just overseeing everything. No, they wanted the total package. They wanted a guy who could do everything that he would ask of his coaches and his players, as well as the guy who could go beyond the football stuff and be a leader for this entire organization. And that's not what you had in Matt Rule, so that's that's probably a good choice on on uh, the owner and GM's part there. Talking with Mike K from the Charlotte Observer, a good old friend of mine that I cannot wait to see next week in Indianapolis. Uh, we're getting together to to hit the combine again. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Todd Wash. Now he has ties to people in the Panthers organization, but it was somewhat surprising that he left Detroit. Um, he was the Lions defensive line coach, and that's the only job title that he will also have in Charlotte. Can you make, uh, <laughs> as your son chimes in, uh, can you make any sense of why he made a lateral move? Was it more uh, for, a, for, for a better opportunity later in Charlotte? Was it something, you know, was he dissatisfied in Detroit? I, obviously, these are questions that you probably can't answer, but your, your best estimation of, of why he made a move like that. Well, I, I think when you look at what Todd Wash brings to the table, he's a guy who understands hybrid fronts, right? And, and I thought that the Lions switched up the way that they were going to attack last, last. Sorry, as my son is getting impatient about his iPad. 
Uh, maybe Todd Wash wanted uh, a different type of system to work in. I, I'm not really sure. I mean, it's a mystery. Brent, please hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Sorry about this, guys. Um, the fun of doing interviews with kids. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, Dad, let me talk to you. Which I'm sure is what Todd Wash said to Frank Wright. Is he... Uh, on, and now, see, Mike, that's that's why you're a professional. This this, this is a man who's done television, radio, and print. He's 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 sort of the king of all media in Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> well, so look, he's got deep ties to Giro Evero. He understands hybrid front, which Giro Evero is probably going to run. Uh, I think this is an opportunity for him too to grow defensively. We know Edgero, uh, Evero Edgero is going to be. Uh, a guy who is going to be on on the head coaching search bonanza for the next couple of years. If he goes and gets a head coaching job, maybe Todd Watch is the internal replacement. We don't know that to be the case in Detroit. Right. So I think, with all that said, this is a, probably a more interesting landing spot for him as he and Dal- and, and Duke Staley bounce from Detroit to Carolina. Yeah, the, the Deuce Staley situation with his mother being ill and he's he's from the area, that, that sort of made more sense than than, than Todd Wash leaving. Uh, one of the, they just hired Jim Caldwell uh, as a senior offensive assistant. Is, is that right? Uh, and what exactly is he going to be doing, the former Lions head coach uh, working with Frank Reich? Uh, he will be overseeing pretty much everything. He's kind of going to be like a second set of head coaching eyes for the Panthers. Uh, Codwell's a guy who used to work with Frank Reich in Indianapolis. He's a guy who understands multiple facets of, a, of an offense, multiple facets of a team. And I think what's interesting about him is he can kind of help guide some of the younger coaches, a Parks Fraser, a uh, Josh McCown, as well as the younger players on the roster. Yeah, then he can he can do that. Like we we've seen him be the the grandfatherly overseer before, uh, and uh, I think I think most of Detroit is finally over the fact that we let him go when he was had a winning record, and then it didn't go so well with the replacement. But uh, you, you guys know about that in Charlotte too, and, and you've also covered. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Mike Mike K from the the Charlotte Observer joining us, uh, he used to cover the Eagles and the the Jaguars. Uh, so you've you've seen the the whole gamut. Um, so you are a Philly guy at heart. Talk to me about what it's like to see the team that you have loved become so good consistently after they just weren't for so long. Well, I mean, it's it's cool. I mean, look, I grew up a fan. My kid and my wife are fans. Uh, that kind of side of me is gone for the most part. But, um, no, I, I think it's been really cool for the city. I think... You know, Nick Sirianni is the type of guy who shows that, you know, you don't have to win the press conference. You don't have to be the most experienced guy. You just have to be a leader of men. And I think it's something that he and Dan Campbell have a lot in common with. I would agree with you on that. Uh, and and that, that's, that's, that, that cannot be said much better than that. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about the draft. We're going to Indy next week to the Combine to see what our teams might do in free agency in the draft. The Carolina Panthers with a new head coach, new offensive and defensive coordinator, new systems probably coming into play, have the number nine pick. What is your early read on where they might be looking with that pick? Quarterback, 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 quarterback. I think they're going to quarterback, uh, quarterback. <laughs> Yeah, I think it'll be a quarterback. Um now, look, I, I think you have to look at 
the way that they are structured. They have talent in all areas of the offense and defense, but they're not very complete. Like, they need a second edge. They need a second starting corner. They need a second starting safety. But they at least have some groundwork there. And I think you bring in a guy like Frank Wright, you bring in Joshua Tad, you bring in Jim Caldwell, you bring in Park Spazer. Those are four offensive-minded guys who all have a lot of experience in the passing game and mentoring quarterbacks. Well, it makes you ask yourself, why would you go after a guy who's a, maybe a, 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 a five- to eight-year veteran who's been around the game, has seen a lot of things, when you have this type of tutoring? And I think when you look at this class, which is better than last year's the quarterback, I think a guy like... C.J. Stroud kind of fits Frank right to a T. I would agree with that. So, they're at nine. Stroud might be gone by then. He might be gone by the time right. the Lions pick at six. Uh, is there any thought that they might want to be moving up to maybe number six, as an example, <laughs> to, yeah, to get the guy I that they want? I think they'll be aggressive. I think the pressure points are probably three, five, and six, as you mentioned. You know, yeah. if you look at Arizona – you want to get in front of Indianapolis if they don't trade up to one. If you're uh, looking at Seattle and uh, Detroit, those are two teams who could potentially take a quarterback, even though they have some pretty good short-term outlooks at quarterback. Um, so maybe they're willing to kind of jump back and, and take care of that need down the road. Um, you also want to stop the bleeding if a few teams trade up. So I think – that three to six range is really important for them. I think they will be aggressive. I don't think they'll just let other teams decide who their quarterback's going to be. I do think if they go after a quarterback, it will be on the aggressive style. Interesting. Uh, that that's There's a lot of people in Detroit that would love to trade back to that nine range because that makes taking a cornerback a little bit more palatable. Uh, you talked about a couple of the other needs that they have. Um, if they can't, for some reason, get a quarterback at nine, uh, where else might they be looking for that 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 second corner, maybe the the pass rushing edge? Although I think um, I'll ask you, this. I don't like this pass rush class at all outside of Will Anderson. Are are you in that mindset, or are there are there some guys that you like? Yeah, I'm kind of in that mindset. I haven't really started that much tape, but in a lot of my research and talking to folks that I trust around the league, the edge class doesn't seem like it's got the juice it once did. Um, I think tight end's a really interesting spot. I don't know if they would pick there at nine, but if all the quarterbacks are off the board that they like, maybe they trade back and look at you know some of the guys who are maybe going to be available in the middle of the first round. It does seem like this tight end class is much better than in years past, so we'll see if that drops a lot of guys down the rung. But I think tight ends and corner are two positions that I could see them addressing if quarterback isn't there. First round tight ends with Jim Caldwell. What could go wrong? Everybody in Detroit laughs now. Mike K from the Shot Observer joining us. Mike, thank you for joining me on the huge show today. Uh, I will see you next week, and we will be stuffing a lot of food into our faces, and I cannot wait. Yeah, that sounds good. It'll be good without kids for a little bit. <laughs> see, this is why we go, because we can get a respite away from our children. Uh, your son is, what, four? So a little bit younger. Uh, I, I still do it now that my kids are teenagers, too. It's nice to get away from that, too. Well, And you're raising, like, a human pterodactyl at your house. So there's uh... a... <laughs> yeah, we got a little of that going on. <laughs> Mike, thanks for joining me, buddy. I'll see you next week. All right, Sam.